Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. You can turn there with me in your Bibles if you have it, or you can open up your Bible app. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, well, again, uh, good morning, Trailhead. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the elders here at Trailhead, and it is my uh, my privilege to be able to share with you this morning uh, a message from the Word of God. Before we get into that, I want to remind you, first of all, you can like us, follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, um, and Instagram if you want updates on what's going on and how things are progressing. And one of the things I know a lot of people are, are wondering about and asking about is when will we be able to regather again? And we are working really hard on that. And our hope, our goal, our plan as of right now is to begin regathering here in the building on September 13th. Um, so we're still working toward that. Of course, information continues to change almost on a daily basis here in Madison County. Um, so we will continue to give you updates if you're following us. Um, be, be watching for those. You can sign up online also uh, to receive Pastor Steve's uh, weekly updates. Uh, you can email info at trailheadonline.org if you want to sign up for those. And we will be having this Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening at 8 p.m., uh, we will be having an online members meeting. It will be open to our members and our regular attenders, and we will hopefully be able to give you more information about regathering at that meeting. So please do put that on your calendar. We'll be sending out a link for how you can join us for that meeting uh, very soon. So please plan to be with us on Wednesday. All right, uh, we have been working through this series uh, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, talking about the whole armor of God. And uh, as we come to the end of this passage, we've worked through all these different aspects of it. We come to verse 18 specifically is what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Verse 18, which says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. As I was uh, preparing for this this week... Uh, looking at this scripture and thinking about its implications, it reminded me of a story um, that came out a few years ago um, that surprised, honestly, a surprise. Um, it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Maybe some, some history buffs kind of picked up on it, but as, as big as it seems like it should have been, um, not a lot of people seem to talk about it a whole lot. But, but here's, anyway, here's what came out um, that way back as early, almost before World War II started, back in 1941, 
Um, apparently, the United States Army undertook a series of secret tests. Oh, there it is. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> it's not a true story. Uh, yeah, the United States Army undertook a series of tests to uh, genetically modify their soldiers and uh, develop what they called a super soldier serum. I spoiled it already. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not a true story. <laughs> it's fiction. There's no such thing as a super soldier. Captain America. You guys know Captain America, right? We can bring him back. Here it is. Some, some top secret uh, photos from the United States government. There's Captain America punching out Adolf Hitler. Here's the story, and here's the idea behind Captain America. Captain America is supposed to be a single super soldier who by himself has the strength and the endurance and the power of an entire army. And he alone can go into a battle and fight against an entire enemy army, and he alone can take out the entire enemy and do what an what it would normally take a huge, massive amount of people to do. Now, we know that's not true, and we know that's fiction. And we know it's fiction not just because, you know, it's a movie. Um, we know it's fiction because warfare doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as a super soldier serum, and there's no such thing as a super soldier. Um, there's no such thing as one individual who alone by themselves can go in and do what it normally takes an entire army to accomplish. Individual soldiers can't win a war. As much as we like those kinds of stories, I mean, we love those stories, right? It's not just Captain America. It's all superheroes. It's all, I mean, it stretches all the way back to, you know, ancient Greek myth and, and, and stories of the Trojan War and Odysseus or, or, or Achilles or Agamemnon or any of those heroes. And we love the story of the individual soldier who goes into battle and single-handedly fights off an enemy army all by himself, all by herself. We love the hero narrative. But in truth, there's no such thing as an individual soldier who can win a battle single-handedly. And that is just as true when we talk about spiritual warfare as it is when we talk about military warfare. And as we look at this passage, and over the past several weeks as we've been talking about the whole armor of God, it can be very easy for us as Christians to look at this passage, to think about the armor of God and to get into our heads that when we are engaged in a battle spiritually, that when we are, as, as Paul says in um, verses 10 and 11 and 12, wrestling against not flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers, against spiritual forces, it can be very easy for us to believe that this is a passage about us individually putting on armor and engaging in battle by ourselves. And we can start to feed ourselves the false super soldier narrative that we can spiritually be Captain America, that we can single-handedly put a fist in the face of the spiritual Adolf Hitler. I, that, that metaphor is overused. Okay, but you know what I'm saying, that we could maybe me by myself alone, I will go into this spiritual battle. 
and I will fight with my helmet of salvation and my, my sword of the Spirit and my all of that. I'll put it on and I'll go in and by myself I'm going to defeat the enemy. I'm going to defeat his schemes and I'm going to win this spiritual battle. But just as false as that narrative is in a real hand-to-hand physical battle, it's just as false in a spiritual battle. We who are believers in Jesus Christ, are engaged in a spiritual battle. But we do not, and we cannot, fight alone. We who are engaged in a spiritual battle must understand that we are part of an army. And that we will only be effective if we fight as part of an army. As we've been going through this series, it's called Disarmed because we're talking about taking off the kind of the false, the faulty armor that we establish for ourselves and instead putting on the true armor, the true defenses and standing in the true power and the true might that comes from God. But today, as we kind of come toward the end of this passage, what we need to see and what we need to understand is that one of the biggest lies and the biggest false senses of security that we can have is that somehow alone by ourselves we have the power, we have the might to fight against our enemy. We were never meant to fight alone and we will not be effective fighting alone. We need each other. We need each other. And as we look at verse 18, Paul shifts, and, and he has been using all of these metaphors of armor, different aspects of, um, of the spiritual life that, that he relates, creates analogies to relate them to different aspects of a soldier's armor. And then he shifts in verse 18 when he begins talking about prayer. He's kind of, he's done with the metaphors. And as I wrestle with that and read different commentators this week, why, with everything else having some kind of metaphor related to armor, why does prayer not? And yet it's still clearly connected to everything he's saying about spiritual warfare. And from what I can tell, and from the best of what I've read and, and looking at this, I think it's because, and my understanding is because at this point Paul shifts to where he's not talking specifically about armor, now he's talking about strategy. Because you can have all the armor in the world. You can be fully well equipped for a battle. If you don't have a plan, you're going to lose. And so the strategy, Paul leads us to engage in, begins with prayer. So I'm going to talk about prayer today, but here's what I want you to see, is that as Paul talks about prayer in this passage, the way he talks about prayer reminds us that we are not fighting alone. Even in prayer, which we often, often think of as a solitary act. We often think of prayer as something that we do alone something that we do by ourselves, that we engage in prayer silently, that it's something very private. And, and certainly there are times in scriptures where Jesus goes off by himself to pray. There are times when we're encouraged to find a private place to go before God. That's true. But much more, much more often, prayer is talked about, discussed, illustrated throughout scripture as a community act. We are called not just to pray, but to pray together. Look at what Paul says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit 
with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer together. For all the saints together. It's, it's implied throughout the entire discussion of a Roman soldier. Because Paul's readers would have understood Roman soldiers didn't fight alone. In fact, uh, different aspects of the armor. For example, the shield. The Roman shield was not just an individual piece of equipment. Roman soldiers with their shields would group together in a formation that was called the testudo or the tortoise because, you know, heaven knows there's nothing more intimidating than a tortoise coming towards you in battle. But um, the, the tortoise, where they would group together with their shields because they understood that the might of all of their shields together was so much stronger than any one shield alone. And Paul's readers would have understood this. They would have known Roman soldiers didn't work alone. Roman soldiers worked in battalions. They worked in groups of tens or hundreds or thousands. If Paul says we're supposed to put on armor and join the battle, he's calling us to do it together. This is implicit in talking about soldiers, but he makes it explicit uh, earlier in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, just turn back a page to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to look at this passage with you. Ephesians 2. So this is just a couple pages before what we've been looking at. In Ephesians 2, starting in verse, uh, starting in verse 17. And he, this is talking about Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, through Jesus, we both And he's talking specifically here about both Jews and Gentiles, but in in other words, everyone, all of us both have access in one spirit to the Father. And then watch this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And here's huge, huge, huge word, members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being, look at this word, joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you, plural you, also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's what he's saying. Look, Jesus came and lived the perfect life and he died the death that we deserve to die. And through his death and through his resurrection, we have access to be joined to our Father, God, a holy God. But we're not joined alone. In being joined to him, we're being joined to everyone else who is joined to him. The metaphor here is of a building with Christ being the cornerstone, but understanding that that cornerstone joins together all the other bricks that you wouldn't say you had a building if you had a cornerstone and one brick. That all of us together are joined together through our union with Christ. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is that we are reconciled. We are reconciled through Christ to God, but we are also, also reconciled to each other. That when I believe the gospel and when you believe the gospel, there is a bond between us and we are united together. Community 
is not an option in the Christian life. It is an inseparable truth of the gospel. We are united to one another. We don't always live like it. We don't always enjoy the blessings of it. We don't always grow in it as we should. But if you're a believer in Jesus and I'm a believer in Jesus, we are united together. And if if that's true, and if it's true that as believers in Jesus, we're fighting a spiritual battle, then it's also true, it must be true, that we are meant to fight together, not alone. And to try to fight alone is to be like a soldier who decides he's going to desert his unit and go off and fight the enemy by himself. He's doomed to failure. And the same is true for us. As soldiers in the army of the Lord. Look, we've made this point repeatedly that we're not fighting in our own power, but in this verse, in this passage, Paul's reminding us that we're not fighting alone either. So here's the question. How is that connected to prayer? Of all of this conversation about spiritual warfare, why bring up the idea of all the saints? Why remind us of our unity together when we're discussing prayer? Because of, like we said, of all things, prayer seems to be one of the most individual aspects of a Christian life. How is prayer related to our joint warfare? I am glad you asked that question. Um, because that's the rest of my sermon. And if you hadn't asked, this would have been awkward. But since you're asking... I would like to answer that. How does prayer bind us together? And I have uh, a very simple, three simple ways that I think as we look at and think about what it means to pray with and for each other, we see how prayer binds us together. First of all, it's this. Praying for others softens our hearts towards them. We call this empathy. To grow in our relationship with others, we have to grow in our empathy towards others. We have to be able to see the world through their eyes. Even if we don't always agree with them, we have to be able to see them as human beings, as people who have real, true thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And to be able to, at least in some sense, enter into the way that they are understanding the world. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to hold bitterness towards someone while you're praying for them. Because if you're genuinely going to petition God on behalf of someone else, if you're going to go to God and ask Him to work in someone's life, you have to see them See where they are hurting. See how it is possible for God to intercede in their lives and to ask Him to do that in a powerful way. And when you do that, it requires you to see them as someone who needs God just like you. Because here's the truth of the gospel. All of us are desperately in need of God's help. None of us, none of us on our own is able to live the life we think we should live, let alone the life we're called to live. All of us have pain. All of us have hurt. None of us are capable 
without the power of Jesus Christ in our lives to handle it, we can create in our minds divisions between ourselves and others. We can begin to believe that we somehow are better than others. Or that somehow we're worse than others. We'll talk about that in a second. When we go to God in prayer for others, though, it reminds us that they and we are the same. And that even if we don't agree about everything, even if they have hurt us, even if in some ways we feel threatened by them, that they, like us, are just sinners desperately in need of a Savior. And to pray for them will soften our hearts toward them. It will increase our empathy. It doesn't just increase our empathy, though. Praying for others softens our hearts towards them, but receiving prayers from others has the ability and the power to lower our defenses around them. And this increases our vulnerability. In order to have true community, you have to have both empathy and vulnerability. You have to be able to see people as they truly are, and you have to allow others to see you as you truly are. When you come to someone and ask them to pray for you, when you genuinely share with them how you truly are in need, it requires you to drop the mask that you usually put on, not your medical mask, I just realized that's not, leave that one on, but when you're asking for prayer, the facade, the false front, you know, the, the masquerade that we all try to play of everything's fine, I'm good, I've got everything figured out, you know, what do you need prayer for? Um, you know, work's busy. Work's busy, that's what, you know, that's kind of the easy one. Um, I'm busy, like, okay, you're busy, but what's really going on? And when you really open up, when you really truly share, when you really ask someone to pray for you, and when you allow them to pray for you, it shows others who you truly are. Have you ever been um, in one of those kind of settings, if you've ever been um, in most, honestly, most group prayer settings, you usually get that kind of masquerade kind of a thing. People will go around the circle, they'll ask, what, what would you like us to pray about? You know, they'll call it prayer, it's time for prayer requests. And people will have kind of their easy ones, or or the big obvious stuff that, it, that you can't hide. Um, a lot of times like medical stuff. Not that that doesn't need prayer, I'm not saying that, but but if you've ever been in one of those and everybody's kind of going around and just kind of sharing the obvious stuff and then all of a sudden somebody gets real and somebody expresses, you know, um, I'm really bitter right now. You know, I'm hurting desperately right now. And it just, it's jarring because everybody's been giving kind of their fake, easy, simple answers and suddenly somebody gets real and it changes the entire thing. And suddenly, it it breaks a wall, and it allows us to begin to see each other. It's a huge moment um, in the building of friendship, in the building of, of community. When you get past the surface level, into the level of vulnerability, it changes things. It's hard. 
It's really hard, but it's really necessary. We have to humble ourselves enough to ask others to go to God on our behalf and to admit that we're not sufficient on our own. We don't. We usually don't do it uh, because of fear, because of shame, because we believe we're sitting in the circle, everybody's talking about their prayer requests that are, are, are nowhere near as painful or as transparent as what we're hurting with, and so we keep it inside because we think, well, nobody else has this hurt I have. The truth is we're all broken people. The only question is how much we're willing to allow that brokenness to be seen. True Christian community. The kind of true Christian community that can combat the darkness of the spiritual warfare waged by our enemy, that kind of community absolutely requires empathy and vulnerability. It requires knowing others and being known by others. It's impossible with walls built up. It's destroyed by pride and by shame. And the only way to break down those walls and to fight against our pride and to fight against our shame is to open up honestly, to approach others vulnerably and respond to them with empathy. This is why community is so scary for people. What if I make myself vulnerable and I get rejected? What if I enter into someone else's pain and I get hurt? That is why Christian community is different than just social gatherings. Our community as believers has to be built on the foundation of the gospel. The gospel that Jesus Christ loves me and died for me by his grace and through his mercy I'm reconciled to God, completely separate of anything I do, completely separate of anything I could achieve, completely separate of what anybody else believes about me. And if that's true, then that allows me to risk vulnerability. That allows me the risk of entering into empathy for others. Because my comfort level and my security rest in Christ and not in others. And so I become free, as crazy as it sounds, I become free to be hurt. Because the gospel in me, Christ in me, is my strength. And I can trust in him. And I can believe that the benefit of knowing and being known outweighs the risk. But that only works if I know that I'm loved, accepted by a Savior who loves me unconditionally. But then here's the awesome thing. If you have that, or as you work toward that empathy and that vulnerability, when praying for others and receiving prayers from others, that then you're able to pray together with others, and praying with others strengthens the bond of peace and leads us to unity. Unity, that, that kind of elusive idea. We've talked quite about this year. Um, because we live in such a fractured, ununified 
society. And that we have seen and we continue to see even within Christianity, even within our churches, even within our own church, how difficult it is to stay united when everything in our society is attempting to pull us apart. And yet I believe, and I think we see this throughout Scripture, that praying together is an absolute foundation of being united together. That if we want to experience what Scripture refers to, what Paul refers to here in Ephesians as the bond of peace, then it's going to be absolutely essential for us to pray together. There's this really old saying, um, and so because it's old, it can be kind of, almost sound kind of cheesy, and, and then maybe we could discount the truth of it, but I believe it's actually uh, really, really true. This old saying that the family that prays together stays together, that's true for a church family. The church that prays together will stay together because the act of repeatedly coming together and going to God together in prayer will create a bond within us as believers, within us as a body that is stronger than any of our differences. It will create a unity. It will create within us that empathy and that vulnerability that will take us away from our, our, our tribal allegiances and into a true fellowship together, a true connection over what actually unites us. That when we come together and pray, and we go to God, not just making requests for each other, although that's a part of it, but also just worshiping God, praying to God in, in gratitude, in worship, in declarations of who He is and what He's done for us. When we pray, as Paul says here in verse 18, all the prayers together, it pulls us together, it bonds us together, it joins us together in a fight. And it shows us that we are fighting together, not against each other. We aren't wrestling, again, Paul said it at the beginning, against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your Christian brother or sister. They are your comrades. They are your fellow soldiers. And when we pray together, we fight together. A battle that we cannot fight alone. We must be united together. Of course, here's the problem with all of this. Right now, community is a lot harder. Right now, uh, community is not something that comes easily. Look, we can't, I mean, we're at a place right now where we can't even be in this building together to worship together and pray together on a Sunday morning. Hopefully that's coming really soon, but even then it's going to be limited. And we know the numbers are going to be limited. I know there are people who are watching right now who just aren't going to be able to be a part of that. But community is essential. And so it is something we have to fight for. We have to make choices and push ourselves in ways that might seem uncomfortable because we understand that in this battle, we must be united. One of the ways that we can do that is through our community groups.
If you're not in a community group, I highly, highly encourage you to join one. Uh, our groups are continuing to meet or find ways to meet. We're going to be rolling out uh, coming in September, uh, kind of our full launch, our, our fall uh, restart of community groups. There will be times when we'll be able to meet online and possibly if you're at a place where you're comfortable in person with our groups. Look, those groups are like our battle units within Trailhead. As we wage spiritual warfare, that's a group that we have the opportunity to go into battle with, to go out on mission with, to engage in prayer with, to know each other and to be known, to have empathy and vulnerability, and to find unity. If you're not in a community group, I highly encourage you to reach out and join one. You can email, um, if you're not in a community group, you can email Jason Wong, Jay Wong, Jason and Andrea, are our deacons who lead our community groups. And if you'll email jwong at trailheadonline.org and let, just let him know, I need to be in a group. Because I've been fighting alone. How many of us over the past six months have been fighting alone? Even some of us who are in a community group. Because of this time of separation and isolation, we begin to believe the lie that we can fight this battle by ourselves. We begin to believe that maybe we're Captain America. That maybe we can fight against the schemes of the evil one by ourselves. But you know it's not working. You know isolation is exactly where your enemy wants you to be. So here's the opportunity. Join together. Fight together. Make the sacrifice of allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Take the uncomfortable step of allowing yourself to feel empathy towards others. Join together. Pray together. Pray for others. Allow others to pray for you. Join the battle together.